Yellen sends one to right center and deep. Get up! What's going on, Ball and Glove loving Brewer fans? Welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast, which is affiliated with Wisconsin Sports. I'm your host, Tyler. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Kurth, and you can find me writing by following reviewing the Brew and Wisconsin Sports Heroics on Twitter. Joining me, as always, is my cheesehead loving buddy, Trevor. He is a host of the Packers Trilogy Podcast. You can find him at Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor, which you really should do as of like now because he's putting out his latest mock draft, hopefully here for the Packers upcoming NFL draft. So make sure you check that out. That is on Thursday. So that's sneaking up on us here pretty quick. Before we get into all of our Brewers action, Trevor, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm I'm doing pretty well, Tyler. Since I was on the podcast and you saying, as always, made me feel bad a little bit because I definitely wasn't on here after the Padres series, which thank you to Josh for coming on the show and helping out on that one since I was slacking. But that was an exciting series. Was not expecting a sweep of the Padres. I said I just want a competitive series and hear the Brewers go and win 3-1, to 6-0, to zero, and 4-2. to two. So that was amazing. And then come out of that, and then the Brewers get clobbered in the first game. And I'm like, oh, here we go. But then they pull out the series, which is phenomenal. Uh, a great, great overall couple, you know, week or so since I've been on the show. So that part of it's good. In terms of the Packers stuff, I'm excited with the draft coming up, obviously. So Tyler mentioned my mock draft. So We'll have a mock draft out today as you're listening to this. Make sure you check out the Packers Trilogy podcast. That one is a seven-round Packers mock. And then, like Tyler was mentioning, I plan on Thursday morning to drop another episode on the podcast. And that's going to be um, a first-round mock for every team. Just kind of seeing how close I can get and putting it out in the world to see how close I actually get to getting at these picks right. We'll see how how smart I actually am, uh, which is probably not very. And then after that, Tyler and I haven't really talked about it, but I feel like I'm probably going to want to go live at least after round one, but probably after day one and day two, go live on YouTube and also have those come out the next, the following day as a podcast. So plenty of Packers stuff coming this week, just because it is the draft. It's my favorite time of the year. And I am pumped. Yeah, me too. And you're really going to have to work hard to peel me away from Brewers Dodgers come Thursday. So good luck with that. (laughs) The NFL draft will be on on my TV. I promise you that. (laughs) From Uh, 630 till I go to bed, the NFL draft will be on. 
Yeah, well, that, that's good, though. We each got our own things here, and, and we enjoy talking about all Wisconsin sports, which, of course, what is this? This is what it's all about. But, yeah, you mentioned the Brewers got out of San Diego at the right time. Tatis has gotten hot since we left. He's taunting Trevor Bauer when he's hitting home runs, and it's a good thing we got out of there when we could. <laughs> but let's get into this Brewers versus Cubs recap. And game one, for your sake, I hope you missed it. Because if you're like me, it was a day game at 1.20 in the middle of the workday, Friday afternoon, and the Brewers got absolutely spanked, blown out, a fill-in metaphor, 15-2. It was disastrous from the start. Burt Anderson left the game after recording just one out. It was labeled as a hamstring injury, but before that, he'd given up three hits prior and then Josh Lindblom came in relief and just got absolutely rocked, smashed, destroyed. Again, fill in metaphor. Lindblom's final pitching line ends up being 3.2 innings pitched, eight earned runs, three home runs given up. You might be thinking, well, why on earth would Craig Council even allow this to continue? Well, that early in the game, you don't want to completely destroy your bullpen and decimate it with everybody pitching. So he really had no choice but to keep Josh Bloom in there. The only exciting thing to come from this game was that Daniel Robertson, yes, Daniel Robertson, the utility infielder, pitched a scoreless eighth inning that included a 57-mile-per-hour slow ball. <laughs> so that ended up on the pitching ninja. That was kind of funny. And then Colton Wong returned from the injured list, went 3-for-4 with a home run, Uh, Pretty impressive coming back from the oblique injury there. After the game, Brett Anderson and Jocelyn Bloom both ended up on the IL, and Phil Bickford and Corey Ray ended up being called up as a result. And it was learned at that time that Christian Yelich was sent back to Milwaukee for an MRI on his back due to no progress being made. Those results did come back on Sunday, showing nothing of significance. So... While that is good news, it is also frustrating that he continues to experience this low back discomfort that is keeping him from playing. Thankfully, the Brewers were able to pick up the slack. They win the next two games to win the series. Game two on Saturday was a thrilling 4-3 victory. It was Peralta vs. Alzale, round three. This time, Peralta ends up going only four innings. He didn't have a clean inning all day and threw 81 pitches. The only runs he gave up came in the second inning, and it was really kind of bullshit. Nico Horner hit a double. It was just barely fair down the third baseline, and there were runners on the corners at that time. And the ball went towards the direction of the ball boy, and rather than grab a stool and run out of the way, the ball boy left his stool, ball hit stool, and that allows Eric Sogard to score from first base. Yes, blazing speed, Eric Sogard. (laughs) From there, the Brewers tied the game in the fifth inning after drawing three straight walks, in which the third one was a bases-loaded RBI walk from Nervaez. Next batter, Tyrone Taylor, got an RBI hit by pitch to tie the game. And we were tied at two until the seventh inning when Manny Pena hit a pinch-hit two-run homer off Andrew Chafin. J.P. Feierheisen then pitched a scoreless seventh. Williams gave up a solo homer to Jason Hayward in the eighth. And then Josh Hader, after allowing a leadoff walk, retired the next three Cubs to record his fourth save of the season. Game three was a 6-0 Brewers win. Don't let the final score fool you on this one. It was a close game throughout most of it until the ninth inning. It was Brandon Woodruff day, 
And the Brewers had a chance to put up a crooked number in the first inning. For the third time this series, Wong began the game with a base hit and was at second base. In game one, he singled and then stole second. In games two and three, he hit leadoff doubles. Then after a leadoff double by Wong, Nervias hit a single and Garcia walked. And at that point, Travis Shaw recorded an RBI walk for his 14th RBI in the first inning this year. And then after that, Hira, McKinney, and JBJ all failed to come up with a clutch hit to put up a crooked number, like I said. On the mound, it was just another day at the office for Randall Woodruff. I can say that so casually. He pitched six innings, gave up two hits, and added eight strikeouts. And at that point, we're at a one to nothing ball game, and the bullpen sequence was shaping up to be the mere image of the game prior. Fireheisen in the seventh, Williams in the eighth, who this time didn't allow a run. And then it was going to be Hayter in the ninth, but then the Brewers decided to put up five runs in the top of the ninth inning. A large part, they had three walks and two hit-by-pitches that inning, including a scary one to Daniel Robertson, who was squaring around to bunt and ended up getting beamed in the front of the helmet. Uh, He did walk off on his own power, stayed in the game, so that was good to see. And then when I thought all signs were pointing towards an Phil Bickford appearance, uh, the Brewers send out Eric Yardley to complete the series win in the ninth inning. And with this series win here, that is now four series in a row that the Brewers have beat the Cubs. That's going back to last season. So what were your thoughts on this series, Trevor? That's just an incredible little tidbit you just said right there. That's <laughs> that's awesome. Like I kind of said before, it's kind of the that first game kind of scared me, and I'm like, oh boy, here we go. But credit to this team, they they figured it out. <laughs> that first game was real bad, but then they come out and you know win the series and some timely hitting from Manny Pena to propel the Brewers to a win in that second game. Colton Wong was incredible. Brandon Woodruff was good again. Um, It's just nice to see, um, even with all of the injuries that are happening, it's, it's nice to see that the Brewers are still able to win against quality opponents. And I hate calling the Cubs quality (laughs) opponents, by the way. I was about to say that. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, at least Ryan Tapera was a, a bigger man this series and didn't throw behind Woodruff or anything like that. So one quality thing about the Cubs this series. Uh, but you mentioned the timely hitting by Pena. And, yeah, would he have a pinch hit, two-run homer? That was awesome to see. And Nervaez just continues to rake. Two of six this series, four walks, one RBI. Uh, someone was tweeting out here on Twitter that the Brewers quietly have like the best catchers in the MLB. So all of a sudden I pulled up all the current catchers stats and to qualify for these stats, you have to average at least 3.1 plate appearances per game. And Omar Narvaez leads all catchers in the MLB in batting average at 389. He has the highest on base percentage at 477. Does not have the highest slugging percentage, but it's at 574. And he does have the highest OPS, though, 1.051. Only Yadier Molina has the highest slugging, higher slugging percentage. Kind of weird. But this is what we've expected out of Omar Narvaez. And you were totally on. He's going to bounce back, Train. And I'm so glad you are right. Yes. He's not going to keep this up for a whole year. We know this. That this pace that he's on, but I knew we were going to get closer 
or even potentially better than average Omar Nervais because I didn't I think he's too talented to do what he did in 2020 for a second straight year so I knew the bounce back would be coming I didn't quite expect it to be this high but as long as he's continuing to hit this well let's ride him because it is awesome and then you know like you mentioned Manny Pena coming in and pinch hit home run and really like I said propelled them to a victory in that second game of this series so yeah, catchers are awesome. Colton fucking Wong is awesome, as you put in our notes. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing series, 7 for 13. Had a walk, home run, two RBIs, stolen base, and three doubles. That's called setting the table. Um, and I can't wait for Christian Yelich to be a hitter or two behind him, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, Colton Wong, like this like today, I'm pretty sure he raised his on-base percentage by like over 110 points. <laughs> and that was just in one game. So he came back off the IL just absolutely hitting, as you read. You mentioned his stats there. And, man, we missed his defense. He had some nice plays out there today, taking some out of the holes, spinning around, throwing strikes. I was a little worried going into this series because it's in Chicago and it was you know, not going to be the warmest temperatures but it's clear that he took himself out, knew his body when this oblique injury first came on, and took care of it right away. And he is hitting the ground running coming back. It, it's going to be a big boost for this club here. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, he did the right thing. And like we, I think we said it when it happened, you know, you want to see players figure it out early rather than having a nagging injury all year long. But you just look, you mentioned the improvement for for Colton Wong. After the first game of this series, his batting average was 217. His batting average now is 281. <laughs> <laughs> so that includes the first game of the series, Grant. And that first game of the series, he was 3 of 4. So that jumped up tremendously there, too. I was trying to look for his last game, but I wasn't able to find it before um, I started bringing this up, but definitely a huge improvement. You mentioned some other improvement. His slugging percentage after game one was at 348. Now it's at 469. Yeah, he's pretty damn impressive. He had a great series um, and hopefully he can, obviously he's not going to go seven of 13 every series, but if we can get, average Colton Wong and have him continue to be solid from here on out. That's going to be a huge thing for this team, um, both offensively and defensively. For sure. And you met in the stat line. I don't know if anybody caught it. No strikeouts. Like this guy doesn't strike out. He's around like 10 to 13% throughout an entire 162 game schedule. That's his average percentage for strikeouts there. So table setter, I used that word earlier. Hopefully once Christian Yelich is able to get healthy, yes, he is going to be crossing home plate a lot. On the pitching mound, someone who's preventing players from scoring is JP fucking Fireheisen because fucking just goes in between everyone's names today. <laughs> <laughs> he is up to 11.2 scoreless innings on the year. And I was so glad on the broadcast today, they finally started talking about his changeup. Like, the firebending changeup, and made it on Pitching Ninja again here today. 
it's generating like a, over a 53% whiff rate on the year. And that was going into today. And he threw a couple more on Sunday here today. It is full out JP breakout season. It, do I dare say that our bullpen has essentially taken its shape here where it's, you know, using your bridge to hater, you got fire in seventh Williams eighth, and that's your ideal setup. Or do you see something else? I agree. That's the ideal setup, but I want to see closer to 2020 Williams back before I'm going to say this bullpen is completely up to optimal firepower. Um, but the high leverage spots are figuring themselves out and to have, you know, once Williams gets back and everything is getting back to close to his normal or hopefully 2020 is close to his normal than what has been so far in 2021. But if he starts taking strides and he has, he's, he's getting closer to the 2020 guy than the guy we saw his first couple outings. So he is progressing, but once he's kind of back and cements himself in that eighth inning spot and JP has proven himself that he gets high leverage situations as well, it's definitely getting close to this bullpen being uber elite. I don't know if we can call them uber elites, but I would say at this point they're elites and Devin Williams getting back to 2020 Devin Williams would make them an uber elite bullpen. Yeah, we're starting to see more and more flashes of it. Obviously, gave up a home run to Jason Hayward in this series. Didn't cost them the lead or the game at all by any means. Did have three strikeouts in his two innings pitched here. You're just seeing a lot more better command with the changeup. You're seeing a lot more of the movement on it and just making hitters look absolutely silly again, even though it's not quite up to the precision like last year. I don't know if we'll ever get to that level again, but he should hopefully get to pretty close. And yeah, he, he did get used in the eighth inning in two games this series. So the trust is still there from Craig Council. I think as he continues to pitch here, that ERA is going to continue to lower. And we're going to be pretty happy with Devin Williams going forward. Well, let's move on here to our series MVP. And series dud. Who do you got for MVP? I mean, we talked about him. I got to go Colton Wong. Incredible series. Like I said before, 7 of 13, a walk, home run, two RBIs, a stolen base, and three doubles. Like I said, we're not going to see that every series, but he definitely deserves the MVP in this one for me. And we need, at the very least, career average Colton Wong, but hopefully better. He's going to be a big part of this team offensively and defensively. And if he keeps playing like this and we can keep him healthy, it's going to prove how big of a signing this was for the front office, including and especially David Stearns. Yeah, he was on my honorable mention list. So was Omar Nervaez, who I talked about his stats already earlier as well. So I'm just going full steam ahead into J.P. Feierheisen for series MVP. I'm all on the hype train here. I'm all on the breakout season. He... Pitched two scoreless innings this series, both high leverage. In fact, throughout this season, I wrote about it for Wisconsin Sports Heroics. He has not appeared before the seventh inning. 
And this is now 11 appearances for him now. Only three of them have come when the Brewers were losing. And then, like, the majority of them, I think, like, the next six, maybe seven now, if my math is correct, have come when the Brewers were ahead by three runs or less. So high leverage spots, like we were talking about, he has earned those spots. Was there anyone else on your honorable mention list at all? Um, Those two guys you mentioned, uh, JP was on my honorable mention, and then Nervias, like you said. I just want to say something about JP, and I agree with your uh, tweet from our podcast account saying this is a JP Feierheisen podcast fan account. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely agree with that. I have a question for you about JP. Is he 2021's Devin Williams? You need to clarify your question a little bit more. JP in 2021, is he going to have that level of impact that Devin Williams had on the Brewers in 2020? Is he going to be that type of pitcher? I think it's too early to tell because Fireheisen doesn't rely upon like the higher velocity like Williams does. Williams can hit 98. Fireheisen's more around your your mid 90s guy, low 90s guy. But I think he's discovered which pitches work the best for him. He's relying upon his slider the most this year. That's a change from seasons prior. He's mixing in the fastball equally as much. And that's a really hard pitch for hitters to pick up on. Like that spin, where it's going to break. And then I think for fun, he mixes in that changeup. And hitters just have no idea what to do with it. So I think the possibility is kind of there. To replicate what Devin Williams did last year, I don't think is attainable. But I think... At best, he could be a 2.5 ERA or lower type pitcher. I'm going to go with that's the ceiling for him. Yeah, and I mean, I've just been watching this uh, loop that the Pitching Ninja posted uh, today, like over and over again. And it just, I know it's not exactly the same with the velocity and things, but he's got the stuff to be pretty damn elite and what Devin Williams did over a 60 game season I don't think is attainable by anyone in 162 games I just I don't think one I think major league hitters are too good for that and two I think no one is that good Devin Williams is amazing but I don't think he could do it over 162 games Um, JP has the stuff and I I'll challenge you I think he's gonna be a sub two ERA I think 2.5 is a bit high because this stuff, if he can keep this control and limit the crooked numbers, I think he can he can be incredible because he can come in and just, you know, if he's only pitching one inning a game, guys aren't going to see him multiple times. So he's just going to come in and, you know, the last time the Cubs, you know, when's the next time we play the Cubs? That's going to be the last time they saw JP. So they don't get any extended looks at him. You get three, four, five pitches to try to hit it. And when his stuff is that incredible and these changeups are just that, they are incredible. It is not easy to hit this guy. And I am super excited to see um, him try to maintain that. And you can't wish for anything better. You know, Wisconsin kid, let's go out and, and just have JP come out, then Devin Williams, then Josh Hader. And no, if your starter gets to gets through the sixth inning and those three are available, you're winning after six, you're going to feel pretty damn comfortable that you're going to win the game more often than not. So 
that's amazing. And it's definitely an extra weapon that this bullpen not necessarily needed, but is definitely going to be beneficial for this team um, throughout the season, especially in the playoffs. So I think it's going to be very, very important. Right. And I think that kind of could make the argument for maybe it is needed because we lost Corey Knable in the offseason. Leo Crawford, who knows? He's probably not going to play at the MLB level this year. Neither is like Anton Kelly, who all the hype was about. Well, okay, I changed it. Maybe Anton Kelly, but it'll be later in the year, if anything, with him. So to have Fireheisen, you know, kind of break out like this. And you mentioned, oh, you know, when will be the next time we play the Cubs? I believe it's mid-June. But like for the rest of the league, too, like this is the first time really seeing him. So we were limited to the NL Central and the AL Central last year. And obviously that has expanded here this year, thankfully. So, yeah, there is a good potential. It could be sub to ERA. I would be happy with that. Let's switch over to Series Dud. Who do you got? Ooh, I feel like I could go after Lindblom. Um, obviously that was not a great performance. <laughs> Eight earned runs, three home runs. Eesh. That's that's pretty rough. Yeah, I, I guess I'll just go with Lindblom. I know he's not. I don't expect a lot from him, but I mean, you get rid of eight of those runs, and I mean, it's still seven to two. But eight runs, really, in less <laughs> than four innings, eight runs—that's two an inning. Come on. Yeah, I didn't have the heart to pick him because Craig Council put him out on a ledge. Like you can't remove Josh Lindblom in the second inning of a game without completely killing the bullpen. So Lindblom helped saved us for the rest of the series. <laughs> so I didn't have the heart to do him as my dud, uh, but I completely get it. He's been struggling this year. He's now on the IL, and I don't really know what his fate is going forward here. So I'm going to pick an offensive player for dud, and it's a player who, especially after the Padres series, everyone was – really really high on everyone was all aboard billy mckinney was hitting home runs still is hitting home runs that was my honorable mention (laughs) honorable mention yeah two for 13 this series he did have a home run like i said and a double so he's slugging the ball well seven strikeouts and it was really kind of the same in the padres series i think his only hits were from the home runs so yeah he did have some good defense in the padres series but Reeling back into the Cubs series. You know, we now have Corey Ray up. We have Tyrone Taylor. I mean, if the batting average or the production or the batting average is already down, if the production continues to to drop here from McKinney, then then you're gonna move on to Tyrone Taylor or Corey Ray while we have the chance to get a look at him. So bumping the dud here to Billy McKinney. Just like to see a little bit more from a batting average standpoint from him. Yeah, like I said, that was the guy I was gonna go with if it wasn't Lynn Bloom. Uh, I don't have like Lynn Bloom to me deserve this, even though, yeah, they were just putting him out there to try to get some innings ate up. And, and I understand that, but yeah, you still just need to be better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, I, I don't know. I, I'm probably a guy that's a little bit more high, but it's also, I just like young prospects and I like to see what they're able to do. So I'm just like ready for Corey Ray to just be like, okay, let's see what he can do because I think Billy McKinney has a, has a place on this team and has a role, but it's not as an everyday outfielder. So let's get him some pinch hit opportunities. Let's, 
you know, late substitutions for defense or whatever because he's able to make some plays in the outfield. We saw that in the Padres series. But let's get Corey Ray some opportunities. Let's see if he's ready. I don't know if he is, but like I said, I have I like to see what the young guys have and let's see what he has while he's up here. Christian Yelich isn't playing. Let's just see what he's got. Yeah, because Corey Ray is just such an interesting person because he was the 2018 minor league player of the year in the Milwaukee Brewers organization. That year he was playing for Biloxi and had just a a tremendous season. He hit 27 homers and swiped 37 bases that year in double A. So damn near a 30-30 player. In 2019, he got injured. And it's hard to live up to the expectations of being the fifth overall draft pick when you're injured. And then 2020, there was no minor league season. So everyone was, you know, his stock had dropped after his 2019 season. And then we didn't get to see him last year. But I think there's a lot of upside. Power, speed, left-handed batter. That just screams what Milwaukee wants in outfielders. And he's going to be one of the fastest players in the MLB now that he is up there. So... I I agree. I'm excited to see what he can do. Hopefully he gets to stay here for a little bit. Um, You know, obviously I hope Yelich comes back, but if he does, hopefully someone else goes so we can see Corey Ray here for a little bit longer, even though he does have, I think, all his options remaining. Yeah. So, yeah, Corey Ray I don't think is going to be up for a long period of time, but I would like to see him get some playing time while he is up. Um, You mentioning his speed just makes me think, Think of the speed in the outfield when it's Corey Ray, Garrett Mitchell, and Christian Yelich. Like, ideally, that is the outfield of, what, three years in the future? So just think of the speed and ground covered with with those three guys. Now, Christian Yelich might lose a half a step or so, but the other two are going to be able to cover a good majority of that outfield with that kind of speed. Well, by that time, there'll be the universal DH, so someone else will be playing left field. (laughs) Uh, Who's got more speed? Yeah, (laughs) there we go. I got you covered. (laughs) That is Billy Billy McKinney will still be on the team to play the field. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Holding on, holding on. (laughs) All right. Let's move on here. We got the Marlins coming up. We have the Jesus Aguilar homecoming this has been long awaited it's been since july 28th of 2019 since jesus aguilar has been in milwaukee covid ruined that homecoming and now he will finally be back here this week we have 640 games on monday and tuesday 1240 game on wednesday pitching matchups we're finally going to see our first left-handed starters two of them we have trevor rogers on monday daniel castano on tuesday and then for the Brewers, we'll have Burns and Hauser going. And I'm not quite sure how Wednesday's game is going to shake up starting pitcher-wise. Likely going to be Alcantara for the Marlins. And then it was supposed to be Brett Anderson for the Brewers, but he is on the IL. So Suter, Rasmussen, maybe. I don't think the Brewers have announced it as of yet. But what are you looking for in this Marlins series? As always, making sure the superpowers are still intact for one Corbin Burns. I'm looking for continued um, good hitting from Colton Wong. And I'm looking for a little bit of a bounce back from JBJ. You know, with the outfield, with a little bit of flux, with Billy McKinney struggling, hopefully he can continue to step up. Same thing with 
uh, Avi Garcia, he's been in quite a slump recently. Um, and then also, like I said, I'd like to see Corey Ray, you know, play in a game or something. I think that'd be fun. Um, but those are the main things. Obviously, I'm always up for watching some Corbin Burns pitching. Yeah, that Burns and Trevor Rogers matchup should be pretty fun. Rogers for the Marlins has a 1.64 ERA in 22 innings. Burns is 0.37 in 24 innings. Uh, so that should shake up pretty well. And but it's really going to be the last two starting pitchers that I'm going to be looking for in this matchup because the Marlins are not very good offensively. They have the third least amount of home runs in the MLB, second worst slugging percentage. They like to manufacture runs by getting hits and then stealing a lot. They have 14 stolen bases this year. That's fifth best in the MLB. So I'm looking for Hauser and whoever, you know, I guess it'll depend who the game three starters. I'm looking for Hauser to at least go six strong innings here. That would be nice. Try and get a little bit back on track here. And and then someone's got to eat up a lot of innings here in game three because we are now in the stretch where we have – it's 17 games in 17 days. That has started already. We're three games into that. So pitching is uber important here going forward, especially starting pitching. Yeah. And, you know, Hauser can do that with how Burns is pitching. He can do that. And like you said, there's not a lot of firepower for the Marlins offensively. So I think, you know, I'm getting to a point, and I don't know if I should say this, but I'm getting to a point where I expect six from Corbin and a team that like the Marlins offensively, you know, I'm expecting at least six and I think maybe even seven. I think that would be a good way to help save the bullpen a little bit too. Like you're mentioning with the extended, not having an off day for a while. So I think that's important. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch Corbin Burns yet again and, and hopefully continue to see this offense be relatively consistent because they have been over the last few series they've their offense has been pretty good even though um it seems like every series someone else steps up for them offensively but as long as people keep stepping up i am okay with that because there was some struggles offensively um travis saw two of 12 mckinney two of 13 they combined for 12 12 strikeouts combined um, so there's are some still some struggles, but we'll continue to see. Hopefully Colton Wong continue to play well offensively. Omar Narvaez, you know, hopefully get a jolt back from Avi Garcia and JBJ. And I think we'll be looking pretty good against the Marlins. Yeah, I do want to back up to your Corbin Burns comments because we did get confirmation that it is indeed his hair that is his superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hardicord tweeted out that uh, Burns gave his wife credit for helping him with hair products as it's gotten longer and agrees that there's no way he's cutting it while he's pitching this good. So it's going to be around for a while. He probably heard the podcast, Tyler, whatever that was, four pod, three podcasts ago, whenever I said that, he definitely listened, obviously. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> and then there's uh, Josh Hader's hair out in the UK, who obviously listens to this podcast. So how much longer until we get a Corbin Burns's hair podcast or Twitter account going out there somewhere? <laughs> and I, You know, you mentioned that, and I'm surprised it's not a thing. <laughs> I, I really am. You'd, you'd think it would be a thing by now with – it's – it's been a constant flow, and he's pitching pretty damn good. 
Well, if you uh, want to overtake David Gasper as the Corbin Burns conductor, that should probably be your fan account Twitter handle. (laughs) (laughs) That's like an instant 500 followers right there, just from your name. (laughs) Yeah, more than I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Exactly, same. All right, well, that's going to do it for us here today. We'll be back to recap the Marlins series. So that podcast will be coming out on Thursday, the 29th. We are at the end of May here. And then it's the Dodgers after that. I'm already amped up for that. So get ready for a fiery preview podcast when we get ready for that one. But until next podcast, we'll talk to you later, Brew fans. A fiery preview podcast? Does that mean JP Fireheisen's going to be on it? Hey, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Trust in Stearns.